0: Chapter eleven Nightgown We had thus laid in bed, chatting and napping at short intervals, and Quigqueg now and then affectionately throwing his brown tattooed leg over mine, and then drawing them back, so entirely sociable and free and easy were we, when, at last by reason of confabulations, what little nappishness remained in us altogether departed, and we felt like getting up again, though daybreak was yet some way down the future. Yes, we became very wakeful, so much so that our recumbent position began to grow wearisome, and by little and little we found ourselves sitting up. The clothes were tucked around us, leaning against the headboard with our fore knees drawn up close together and our two noses bending over them, as if our knee pains were warming pans. We felt very nice and snug, the more so since it was so chilly out of doors, indeed out of bedclothes too, seeing that there was no fire in the room. The more so, I say, because truly to enjoy bodily warmth, some small part of you must be cold. For there is no quality in this world that is not what it is merely by contrast. Nothing exists in itself. If you flatter yourself that you are all over comfortable, and having been so a long time, then you cannot be said to be comfortable anymore. But if, like quig and me in the bed, the tip of your nose or the crown of your head be slightly chilled, why then indeed, in the general consciousness you feel most delightfully and unmistakably warm." For this reason, a sleeping apartment should never be furnished with a fire, which is one of the luxurious discomforts of the rich. For the height of this sort of deliciousness is to have nothing but the blanket between you and your snugness and the cold of the outer air. Then there you lie like the one warm spark in the heart of an arctic crystal. We had been sitting in this crouching manner for some time, when all at once I thought I would open my eyes, and when between sheets, whether by day or night, and whether asleep or awake, I have no way of always keeping my eyes shut in order to more concentrate on the snugness of being in bed. Because no man can ever feel his own identity aright except his eyes be closed, as if darkness were indeed the proper element of our essences, though light be more congenial to our clay part. Upon opening my eyes, then, and coming out of my own pleasant and self created darkness into the imposed and coarse outer gloom of the unilluminated twelve o'clock at night, I experienced a disagreeable revulsion, nor did I at all object to the hint from quigqueg that perhaps it was best to strike a light, seeing that we were so wide awake, and besides, he felt a strong desire to have a few quiet puffs from his tomahawk. Be it said that though I have felt such a strong repugnance to his smoking in the bed the night before, yet see how elastic our stiff prejudices grow when love once comes to bend them. For now i liked nothing better than to have Quegg smoking by me even in bed because he seemed to be full of such serene household joy then i no more felt unduly concerned for the landlord's policy of insurance i was only alive to the condensed confidential comfortness of sharing a pipe and a blanket with a real friend with our shaggy jackets drawn about our shoulders we now passed the tomahawk from one to another till slowly there grew over us a blue-hanging tester of smoke, illuminated by the flame of the new-lit lamp. Whether it was this undulating tester rolled the savage away to far-distant scenes, I know not. But he now spoke of his native island, and, eager to hear his story, I begged him to go on and tell it. He gladly complied. Though at the time I but ill comprehended not a few of his words, yet subsequent discourse, when I had finally become familiar with his broken phraseology— now enable me to present the whole story such as it may prove in the mere skeleton I give. Thanks for listening to Moby Dick Pod. If you've liked what you've heard so far, consider subscribing or leaving us a rating on Apple Podcast.